Welcome to the fourth part of our study on the Bible. And we are dealing with our subject matter in four areas, and we've completed the study of the first two areas, which dealt with the terminology and then the attitudes towards the Bible. And we began on our broadcast last time the third segment, which deals, of course, with the uniqueness of the Bible. And I pointed out that the uniqueness or the wonders of the Bible can very easily be shown in four areas. The first area was its formation. And I pointed out that the formation of the Scripture shows diversity in unity and perfect harmony, in that the Bible was written over a period of 1,600 years by 40 different authors writing 66 different books in three languages of Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, written from various places such as Israel, Babylon, Egypt, Greece, Rome, and Arabia, coming out of various occupations such as kings, priests, prophets, soldiers, statesmen, shepherds, fishermen, tax collectors, doctors, tent makers, and farmers, and writing in various literary forms as narratives, biographies, poetry, proverbs, drama, sermons, letters, or epistles, and psalms, and yet have, in spite of this massive amount of diversity, in spite of the numbers of years that have transpired, have produced a body of work which is in perfect harmony with itself. And so, indeed, one way of showing the wonders of the Bible is by its formation. The second way of showing the wonders of the Bible is by its preservation. I pointed out that preservation can be seen in two ways. The first way is that the text itself has remained. And I pointed out that the Hebrew text has been shown to be very accurate by virtue of the fact that although there is a thousand years between the Masoretic text that dates from the year 1000 AD and the Dead Sea Scrolls, which dates anywhere from between the year 100 BC and 100 AD, in spite of this 1000 year gap, the Dead Sea Scrolls have shown that, there, that the Hebrew Bible as we have it has remained virtually intact and although there are a few slight variations, in none of these variations has the meaning change. And the variation it can be, the slightness of the variation can be illustrated by saying that one text says he went to Jerusalem, while the other text says he went unto Jerusalem. It should be obvious to all that the meaning has not changed, and the difference that is there is extremely extremely small. As for the Greek text, we have numerous Greek texts, so many that it is simply a matter of categorizing them and to determine where the variant readings are, and it is a matter of simple uh, work to determine what the actual text was. And so one way that the preservation of the Bible has been maintained is that God has made sure that the text itself has remained intact. 
But the preservation of the scriptures can be seen in a second way, and that is in its indestructibility, in that many have tried to destroy the scriptures, but have failed, and have failed because God has promised to preserve His word. In First Peter chapter one verses twenty four and twenty five, verses twenty three to twenty five, we read these words. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of men as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word by the gospel which was preached to you. So the word of God itself has promised us that God would preserve his word. And although throughout Jewish history people have tried to destroy the scriptures, it has always failed to destroy the scriptures, and the scriptures have remained indestructible. Some examples I could give is, for instance, Emperor Diocletian's war against the Bible. He had such a great war that one day he made the statement, quote, The Christian religion is destroyed, and the worship of the gods restored, end of quote. Yet only ten years later, Constantine made Christianity the state religion of the Roman Empire. I'm not saying this was a good thing to do. It is just an example to show how wrong Diocletian turned out to be. One of the most uh, vehement critics of the scriptures during the Enlightenment period of history was the French philosopher Voltaire. And Voltaire had his own printing press, and he would print various diatribes against the scriptures. And one day he wrote, Fifty years from now, the world will hear no more about the Bible. Yet exactly fifty years later, when Voltaire said no one will ever hear again about the Bible, the Geneva Bible Society bought the home and the printing press of Voltaire, and guess what they did with it? Right, they began printing Bibles. Then we have the story of Tyndale. Tyndale was one of the early translators of the uh, Bible into English, and he was underwent such tremendous persecution so that the uh, translation by Tyndale was virtually destroyed, and the brag was that the Bible will never again appear in English. And yet today, I suspect the majority of the Bibles printed around the world happen to be English Bibles. An American philosopher who was also a critic of the scriptures was Thomas Paine, one of our so-called Finding Fathers. And he began to write a series of diatribes against the Bible, and Thomas Paine wrote, quote, When I get through, there will not be five Bibles in America. Again, when I get through, there will not be five Bibles in America. Now, while Thomas Paine did some good writing in defending the American Revolution and American independence, 
he was certainly dead wrong about the scriptures. And in fact, in my own library alone, I have more than five Bibles. Indeed, in this nation, there are millions of Bibles, and considerably more than the five that he predicted would be left. So the wonders of the Bible can be shown by its formation. It can also be shown by its subject matter, by its preservation. But a third way of showing it is by its subject matter, because the subject of the scriptures is unique among all books, including other holy books. For example, the subject of the Bible deals with the personality. And the unity and the trinity, triunity of God. The Bible talks about man's origin and fall. The Bible introduces a unique concept, the God-Man, in the person of Jesus the Messiah. It deals with God's provision of salvation, and it deals with the culmination of all history in the prophetic portions. Even the subject matter is as diverse as the formation of the Bible itself, and in spite of the diversity of the subject matter, you still have a unifying principle that all of these things that do not seem to be connected are ultimately working towards the the culmination of history in.、Um, The glory of God, and God will be glorified through all of these various programs that is introduced to us in the Scriptures. And so, the variety of the subject matter, the diversity of the subject matter, and yet bringing out this unifying principle of the glory of God to be worked out through man's salvation, through Israel's history, through the messianic kingdom, among many other ways, shows. The uniqueness and wonders of the Bible. The fourth way by which the Bible can be shown as to its great wonder is its influence. The Bible has had tremendous influence on individuals, whether they are true believers or not believers. The Bible has changed the lives of many individuals. It has inspired the writings of various. Classics and novels. It has inspired the paintings of some of the greatest artists we have in our history. Indeed, it has had tremendous influence on individual men in the arts and the sciences and the humanities and so on. But much more important, it has had an influence upon individuals that has brought them to a personal relationship with God. Because through the scriptures they clearly saw that they were sinners, and also knew they could do nothing about their sin, but that a price of sin still had to be paid, and Jesus paid that price. And the Bible has resulted in the regeneration and salvation of many individuals. It has also had an influence upon the nations, where the Bible has had an influence. In fact, most of the law codes that we have. In the Western world, both in Europe and the New World, have been influenced by the law codes of the Scriptures: concepts of cleanliness, concepts of legality, concepts of honor, concepts of religiosity. All of these things 
have been influenced upon nations by the Scriptures, and the, indeed the Bible has tremendous wonders. There's one more area I would like to cover in dealing with the Bible, and we'll do that on our last broadcast tomorrow. Until then, we bid you shalom.